Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Just Because I Love You podcast. Each week, four sisters gather with their 11 children to do life together. Today, we're talking about the way parents try to use medication to take the sin out of themselves and their children. There's lots of opportunity for us to be misunderstood today, so this ought to be fun. Thing you don't want Carla to hear. I'm just talking about blowing on ice cream. Yeah, Marla's over here trying to eat her microphone. <laughs> it's like reason. lemon ice cream in my defense. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had the yellow one before. Don't get reason. <laughs> it just looks tasty. It does. Anyway, um, okay, so we promised a conversation about medicine, medication, and our dependency on it in the United States, but. I think all of us are keenly aware that this is going to be mainly just all of us telling what we're not saying. We're just going to have to keep repeating. <laughs> we're going to say a statement and then add 16 different disclaimers. Yeah. We're, not what we're not saying, saying this and we're not saying that. But Just assume our intentions are good. <laughs> Could you do that for Can us? Can you just do that for us? Does that happen for us? You get a lot more words that aren't disclaimers. Yeah. I so. think this all started on Monday when I saw that TikTok. What was the TikTok? What TikTok? So the TikTok was about this lady talking about the history of housewives oh, yeah. oh, from the yeah. 50s. Yeah. And how they were all, not all of them, I'm sure. Here, here already a disclaimer. <laughs> There's how a few sprinkles. Many in. of them were hooked on meth. Um, over and the counter. Means. Yeah. yeah, over the counter. Like it was <laughs> marketed towards uh, housewives back yes. in the 50s to help them stay skinny. It helped them have lots of energy. Hey, um, it worked. It yes. totally worked. It that was a very mess. effective drug. <laughs> We're talking about that mess. Yes, the mess that you're thinking okay, of. Okay, sorry. And then they would take a sedative at night to come down off the high of the, the meth. I'm surprised that worked, to be honest. <laughs> it probably <laughs> didn't. That's the part no. that I'm skeptical about. That's why the next morning they felt like they needed to do it all over again. Yeah, it's they like, needed their regular dose of meth. Kind of like sleeping. we reach for caffeine. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. Mm-hmm. I'm running around like my hair's on fire. And how, how They needed they medicine keep... for the side effects of their medicines. Yes. Yes. How did yeah. they keep their teeth? Oh. Well, they weren't smoking meth. That's the difference. Meth, the smoking like of the meth form. is what ruins the I thought the it teeth. was the chemicals. I didn't realize it was the smoking part. I think it's the smoking. The chemicals. I don't know because I've never done meth. <laughs> I mean, I, I always assumed it was the smoking of the chemicals, but I, let's ask. I don't oh have my, my phone. Goodness. We should find out. Yeah. And also, to be fair, um, the, the hard stuff that the drug dealers are cooking up now um, is a, a lot more potent like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the chemical mixture whatever is it's a lot more potent so that's back, all drugs back in the day in the 50s it was a little bit of a lower a, a lot of a lower dose well and they even market it as a very low dose drug right. much like you would hear a low dose anti-anxiety medication there's or a lot low of crying dose tabby's yeah, gonna go check so many crying babies right now they're all asleep supposedly they're all <laughs> they're supposed to be asleep. they're all not asleep <laughs> they're not asleep <laughs> well Mine's they're not like trapped minutes. under something is my point. Right. Yes. <laughs> they're not in danger, but they're not happy about being <laughs> put down to sleep. So. I would almost like to, to say that medication could look like other things besides over the counter stuff. Yes. It's, it's things that we use to numb. Mm-hmm. It could be cool. wine. Mm-hmm. It could be 
Coca-Cola, We're Diet talking about Coke. drugs. And caffeine right. is actually classified right. as a drug. So yeah, chocolate. That's what I'm saying. Um, caffeine type things. Wine and alcohol. Chocolate. Those are drugs. Yep. Chocolate and coffee. Those are two. Megan's things. eating a piece of coffee. <laughs> you better believe it. Andrew Megan got coffee. three hours of sleep. So she's like, <laughs> I need this addicted. right now to feel good, everybody. I'm doing it just like the housewives of the 50s took meth. I'm doing it to get through my day. She is. I'm, I'm committing it. the same sins and crimes right now. Yeah. With my low dose. Just less <laughs> regularly, probably. So one of the things that I think Christian people are afraid of being accused of is being somebody who would take medicine away from people who need it, such as insulin for a diabetic. Right. That's always being, you know, drugs are being compared to that. If you talk about ADHD or you talk about um, depression or anxiety mm-hmm. and you try to give the pros and the cons of medicating in those cases, immediately somebody's going to say, would you not put a pair of glasses on a person who can't see? Would you not give them high blood pressure medicine? If they have high blood pressure, would you not Mm -hmm. give them like, you know, cholesterol medication to help Mm -hmm. them? And, and so I think I'm very comfortable being the devil's advocate today and just being the voice of the person who is very protective of their use of medication and immediately wants to go to the other extreme to explain why this is actually very good. And you guys, the three of you at the table, (laughs) you're bad because you are anti-medicine. What do you have to say for yourselves? Oh, I'm not good at this because I am horrible when people say, well, would you not give insulin to a diabetic? I'd be like, I don't know. It depends on the diabetic. <laughs> like, what's their insulin dependency? What's their reasoning? I, I wouldn't say their diabetes has a spiritual root. Maybe it does. If they are, <laughs> well, I mean, if they're, depends. right, if yeah. it's food induced, if it's it's weight induced diabetes, I would say, okay, let's, let's talk about the spiritual root of it. Oh, you're not even allowed to talk about weight anymore. Like no, that's my point. Uh, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. probably 10 years ago, if you said, well, there are some people who have made themselves become diabetic because they just eat too much. That would have been just taken as a given. But now mm-hmm. the devil's advocate in me has to say, you mm-hmm. can't make any assumptions. And because some people are just genetically predisposed toward heaviness or fatness, if you will, you're actually being judgmental a little bit of a, um, oh no, I can't remember the word weight, weightism. No, sizeism. Mm, That's the sizeism. word. Sizeism. You're being a sizist. <sighs> but if you have diabetes, if you have this disease and you are also very overweight, aren't those two things? two things that kind of go hand in hand. But they're saying that you can't say the weight causes the diabetes. It could be the other way around, or it could be something else could cause the weight gain, which then causes the diabetes, but it's outside of your control. And I actually had a screenshot a while back. It would probably take me too long to find it, but it was word for word, a lady making this argument. I used to eat nothing but ice chips and crackers that's it and and i was still gaining weight and you can't always judge that a person is overeating just because they're fat if they're well and i actually there is some validity to that if you have thyroid issues or something like that or if you've gone into starvation mode and your body holds on to every little thing you eat well but but every little thing you eat you cannot say that you're eating nothing but ice chips and still gaining weight. <laughs> hey, yeah. no, no, you're so supposed sorry. to be I'm devil's the devil. advocate. I forgot. I'm the devil. <laughs> I'm the devil. <laughs> Tabby, take over. You're Why bad is, at this. Can you eat ice chips and gain weight, Tabby? No, you can't. Even with even with your body going into starvation mode, yes, it would theoretically be harder to lose weight if you really were um, taking out your calories. But other worse things would actually happen to you first because of the weight loss. You have forget the weight loss has to happen first because your body doesn't go into starvation mode without 
if it has fat reserves, it will just use the fat reserves. It doesn't go, oh no, we need more of these reserves. It's like, no, it <laughs> uses them. Well, and, and again, laying aside the devil's advocate <gasps> role for just a moment. You okay? No. Megan oh, just no. got hit with the door in her, I hope thigh. It I was, think it was her thigh. Great. Um, so what, not being the devil's advocate for just a moment. I <laughs> she can't do it. She can't do it. I actually had a podcast with Dad on the comedian next door where we talked about this because I read this lady's comment and I was like, "It's simple math." Like the title of the episode, I believe, is "Miraculous Weight Gain." Like because you cannot eat nothing and gain weight. That's creating energy. From nothing, ex nihilo, the way that God created the universe. Yeah. You cannot say, I eat nothing. Now, don't get me wrong. Eating nothing isn't healthy. That's called mm-hmm. anorexia. That's mm-hmm. bad. But you cannot be a person who literally starves yourself and still gain weight. It's not possible. The anorexics wouldn't be doing it if it didn't work. If you couldn't right. eat nothing right. and lose weight, right. they would be doing something thing. else. You yeah. can't, it's not good to starve yourself. But what yeah. I'm saying is to say, I'm a fat person, but my body works completely different from everyone else's body. No, <laughs> actually that's denial. Mm-hmm. And your perspective is unhealthy. Yeah. And so now what we've got is people who recognize they've got these issues with their their brains. Like they're, they're seeing things differently than a lot of people. Their emotions- are taking over in ways that they don't like. And so now if they can't control their food intake or they can't control how much sleep they're getting or they can't control those aspects, they don't like working out or whatever, they're having trouble controlling parts of their lives. Now they turn to chemical solutions Mm -hmm. like caffeine or like alcohol or like prescription drugs or over-the-counter drugs. Mm -hmm. And what Megan was saying was in the 1950s, people were doing that just as much. Mm-hmm. Except now we look back and go, wow. That's, what were they doing? What were they thinking? But what if we looked back from 50 years from this point, 50 years from 2021, what do you think we would see looking at 2021? Which is why I shared that in the first place. I was like, what's what's our meth now? Like, what's mm-hmm. the thing that's ever always being prescribed? All of it. Constantly. That's always being taken. Um, Anti-anxiety, <laughs> anti-depression, um, for the housewives of today, yeah, I would agree. It's 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 that, and it's this addiction to caffeine as well. As I'm drinking my second cup of coffee, I think. A, I think, and this kind of goes off topic a bit, but I think a lot of people's addictions are social media, which I know isn't a prescription type thing, mm-hmm. but, no, but they it's are. Coping. But it is a coping thing, and it's designed to be an addictive type thing. Right. Tim, my husband Tim is super techie nerdy, and he knows that the way that certain social medias, most social medias are created is based on slot machine type thinking where you keep thinking, you know, you keep pulling the handle or you keep scrolling down to find that thing that you're going to stop and you're going to read. And it's going to give you that jackpot. Yeah. A little buzz. And then you keep going to finding the next thing and it may take longer. It may be sooner. And it's, it's, calculated in that way to be addicting. So I think that could be part of it. And ironically, or I guess relatedly, one of the things that is a jackpot for a lot of people is they're scrolling along and then they see that somebody has written something positive and encouraging and reinforcing about whatever their chemical dependency, whether it's chocolate or coffee or alcohol or SSRIs, which are types of antidepressant serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Um, then, uh, benzodiazepines, another type of anxiety slash depression medication. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so, yeah, those are very popular on social media now because not only do people get a buzz from seeing and reading them, they get a buzz sharing them with others. And so the number one talking point on social media when it comes to this subject is there's a stigma about our medication. People are trying to take our medication from us. And those people are mainly you sisters across from me who yeah. are bad anti-medicine people. What do you have to say for yourself? And the thing is, I'm not anti-medicine, but I don't think that it's like putting a Band-Aid on a festering wound. It's like there's mm-hmm. there's only so much that Band-Aid's going to do. Mm-hmm. Like you have to get to the root of your anxiety. If you need to, okay, and maybe this is where my sisters are going to disagree with me, but if you need to go on anti-anxiety meds temporarily, and I emphasize that word temporarily, so you can process and get to the spiritual root and not and not be suicidal or not have homicidal tendencies, then by all means, mm-hmm. like if that's, but again, I emphasize temporarily. Mm-hmm. What I'm seeing though, is that women are going on them and never going off mm-hmm. and they just keep open, upping the dosage as their body gets used to it. But do you guys disagree with that? No, I think it's because for instance, everybody does this with uh, what I would call normal medicines. You get a cold, right? And so you're like, man, I really want some Sudafed or some sort of decongestant because Mm -hmm. I can't breathe. And so while I have this cold and my body does its thing, I'm going to use this cold medicine. Well, eventually, because it's a physical ailment, your body gets rid of the virus and people don't take decongestants anymore or they shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be so dried up. They'd be like... You don't, you, you don't keep taking the day quill, I guess is a good way to say that because your body fights it off. What happens is, is I think a lot of people do have these good intentions where they're like, man, I am feeling really off. And they can even get a doctor to show them their chemical imbalances or their brain waves and say, look, these aren't normal. Like we can physically diagnose you. And so they go on these medicines, but because it's not a virus or a a broken bone, it's not something that the body is going to just take care of for you. They never come off of it because they don't actually know what to do with it. And so I don't think anybody actually does go on these medicines going, this is it for the rest of my life. I'm going to take this medicine. They do see it as temporary. Nobody is able to give them the true cure. Because Nobody when you can come give along, them the finish line. Right. They can say, this is this what it's going to look like right. when you're better. Or feel like yeah. you're no longer going to feel anxious ever. Well, no, that's not true. You will feel anxious again at some point in your life because you're human. But yeah. nobody talks about that. So what's that. the goal here? What right. are we done? I, I think I would ask, why are, you, why are you not okay with not being okay? Why are you that so very fixated on the fact that you can't feel bad, that you you can't have a moment of of anxiety. I mean, I think everybody at this table has experienced anxiety in the last like two months at some point. And it's last like, night. it's like, why can't we just- <laughs> Are you calling me out right now? No, it was me actually. Oh, <laughs> I had a nightmare. I didn't sleep very well either, honestly. Well, so. there you go. The three other sisters, <laughs> other than the devil's advocate, all had anxiety just last night. Hmm, <laughs> what does that tell you? <laughs> I need to Mandy. go on medication, <laughs> Mandy. Just take your chocolate and be quiet. I but I think that's something that people down. are so fixating. Yet, 
out of one side of their mouth, they'll say it's okay to not be okay. But as they're, we've talked about this on a previous episode of how they're like, but in the other hand, they're smoking their cigarettes, shoving their anti-anxiety meds down and with a glass of wine. It's just like, but you're not okay with being not okay. So stop saying you're okay. What they, well, no, what they mean is I'm okay with the fact that I'm using all of these coping mechanisms that one part of me knows is not Mm -hmm. healthy. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to suddenly be, I'm going to try to be okay with the fact that I'm using the 2021 version of meth. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell myself, that's fine. I'm not going to think about that. To be fair, the only reason this is shocking is because it's a methamphetamine. And now we know that they're like, horrible for you Highly and they're addictive. and it's uh very illegal yeah. but it but in the 1950s it would have been very very normal and oh, i magazine think that, ads yeah like it's and, and i think ads. people would still be defending the 1950s if it had been something else for instance if it had been like marijuana that they were using people now would be like so what Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just because of the drug that they were well, using. Well, that's because they've been trying to remove the stigma and they've been pretty successful about it. Like what I'm, we're podcasting, Colin. What do you want? A water day. It's the coldest day we've had in like 62. It's the first time. It's the first time it's been fall weather since uh, the beginning. Turn on the hose. Okay. Oh, I like how Carla. Just turn the hose off and do something different. I, yeah, I thought he said, can I have water? And I was like, yeah, sure, go have water. I'm go glad you clarified. Water. No, I could tell from his shirt being slightly wet that he was asking if they could turn on the hose. And I'm going to say Which is already is, turned on. <laughs> no, this time. Well, yes, turn it back off. Yeah. Oh, so geez. anyway. Like 86 yesterday. Um, yeah, I was just saying, I think it's ironic that what we're trying to do with our current drugs of choice is to remove the stigma so that we could be as blissfully ignorant and proud of our drug use as the 1950s housewives presumably were when they were posing for their ads and, you know, putting it on their radio ads and stuff. Um, And so, yeah, removing the stigma for something that should be stigmatized isn't a good thing. And I'm not in support of, um, I'm not in support of making people comfortable with a coping mechanism that it turns out isn't a very good one. Mm -hmm. Um, I also wanted to bring up not just mommies, Um, who are taking the drugs for themselves, but mommies who realize that parenting is very hard, and so they're going to go and try to find a chemical solution for little Johnny's issues, too. Because Johnny's different, because Johnny's a special snowflake, and no little boy has ever done what her little boy is doing. Now, it's, it's genuinely difficult to wrap your mind around the idea that that this is what people mean when they say parenting is hard. Like, all of us have been... Uh, in a place where we go, okay, I know logically that we say that parenting is hard, but this, what I'm experiencing right now in this moment, feels even above and beyond that. Correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they can get a ton of people to agree with them. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we know how it feels. Everybody at the table knows that when you're actually experiencing <coughs> meltdown after meltdown after meltdown, there is that temptation to say, okay, is there something beyond this? How would I know? Like Megan, you've asked me before when it came to homeschooling and teaching math, how do I know if my kid genuinely has like dyslexia or has some kind of a learning disability when it comes to math or literally isn't understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm speaking a foreign language versus, oh, she just doesn't want to do like, this is more of a behavior problem. Right. Right. So remember what you told me? Probably not word for word. I I probably said just assume that most of the time it's a behavior thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something you like said, that. Well, you called me out. You're like, you can't think for her. And that gave me a lot of. 
Well, if she's okay with doing other things that are easy for her, and this is the hard thing, and the attitude is with the hard thing, then I would assume here's the attitude. Here's my trick with Marcy. If she really doesn't get it, there's usually no defiance. Confused kids don't normally defy. They normally just don't get it. But if I'm throwing a fit, or if I'm throwing a fit, if she's throwing a fit, <laughs> I might be. If she's throwing a fit and and there's a battle happening, then I usually assume, okay, this is a defiance thing. Because even if you don't get it, you will try. Yeah. And one of the things that I've said before is you can't punish a kid for genuinely not knowing. And so if, if there's doubt and you don't know whether she's not getting it, then you can't be mad at her for not getting it. But you can be upset with her for not working with you to try to learn. Because the whole goal with all of our schooling is to teach them how to learn. So maybe this actual math concept, addition or subtraction, maybe that's going to take weeks before it finally clicks. But in the meantime, it is the, the attitude and it is the behavior that you're struggling with right now. Like when the kid in front of you refuses to cooperate and is, and is putting their head down on the table or like my kids going, Wah! It's like, that is something you can control. Maybe you don't understand this brand new thing we're calling multiplication. It's a big new thing. But in the meantime, you do understand when I say, sit up and listen to me. I will gladly repeat it again and, and try to find a new way to explain it. But you, you are turning off your ears, essentially, Mm -hmm. when you throw a fit and when you're melting down. And that is always a behavior thing, regardless of whether the concept itself is challenging. So so going back to uh, moms who just think that their kids must be much more difficult, I just kind of want to know when that started happening. Because even if you come along nicely and you say what we just said basically to Megan, or I have tried to level with some other parents and been like, listen, my kid is also uh, something else. Like right. we, we battle all the time, but here's what I know, or here's what I do, or here's what you could do. You know, here's some advice. Um, I'm usually told immediately, well, my kid's just different. And it's yeah. like, I, I don't understand how I, how I can be telling you and other people could be telling you it's normal. Mm-hmm. And here's how we know it's normal because my kid does it. Megan's kid does it. Marla's kid does it. Mm-hmm. Like we just go down the line of all the children who have displayed the same sort of defiance mm-hmm. about things and right. still have parents who say, well, no, that can't be my kid. That's what I don't understand. If somebody was I, I ignorant. I think it comes around when they they have done all the things, <coughs> they've taken all the advice and it doesn't feel like it's working. But have they then? Well, I think if there's a consistency and a persistence that well, is required for very why, strong children. That's mm-hmm. why I'm very careful yeah. not to pretend like I'm offering solutions to their immediate right. issue. They're like, looking for a formula to get their kid to just... To stop crying. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not... No, I can't do that. I am not going to say to you, oh, here's what you do in order to make math time a cinch. Yeah. Like, I'm very careful not to promise that mm-hmm. if you use my methods or my techniques, the the problem I'm trying to solve here is not one of your kid making you miserable. What I'm trying to do is solve the problem of you being unable to deal with the fact that sometimes teaching is miserable. We're trying to get you to level up. Yeah, I'm actually training myself. To, yeah, it is. It is just as much Well, they yourself. will when you do. Right. As you're leveling up, yes. they are. The kid learns too that feelings are not something that you immediately need to go and find an external solution for, quote unquote. Sometimes Sometimes the only solution is to acknowledge this is terrible and I don't like it, but then go ahead and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I don't know how to get through to parents who think that I just have a special kid who's much easier to work with. Other than just sharing 
battle stories, mm-hmm. you know, every one of my kids, kindergarten has been the worst for all of us. And I was just telling Megan this earlier no! today. I have really a kindergarten kid. Sorry, Tabby. No! Just because, just because it's more work than they're used to. They're not able to just play all the time whenever they want and do whatever they want throughout the day. You're trying to get them on task. And all of our children have been perfectly fine with numbers, counting, Oh, there's an argument in the background, but Aunt Marla is... Something about water. ...refereeing. Oh, not water again. It's been one of those days. If you don't believe that it's hard, just listen to the background noise We'll just take today. a microphone outside for you for just five minutes. Maybe we should. There's there's a, some I, sort of issue today. But what I'm saying is I, I have had children every year, in kindergarten especially, who are just not used to being told that they have a certain routine. They don't like it. And so their attitude just stinks. And they know how to do the work. It's not that the reading is too hard. It's not that the numbers are too hard. They already know how to count. They know their letters. They know all of that. Um, They know their colors, you know. So we know, because they've been doing this for years, that they can. But it's just... The fact that we're asking them to do it now on our terms and they don't want to, that pretty much all of kindergarten is just emotional training. It's character building and it's awful. I hate it. (laughs) I hate it. It's so much harder. It's so much, I mean, it's so much easier this year with Piper being in first grade. The subject matter's harder. School is longer because there's more stuff to it. But oh my goodness, the attitude of like, oh no matter how much I argue with mom, I still have I'm to do I'm going to have thing. to do it. I might yeah, as well do it, it the easy matter. way. Yeah. Yes. They, but that first clicks. year, you're like, it's I am beating my battle. head against this wall. Mm-hmm. I cannot give in to this attitude that she's got. But at the same time, I want to so badly. It would be so yep. much easier to A, medicate, and B, send this kid off for some mm-hmm. other person to handle. They clearly need somebody else to teach them because they are not receiving teaching from me right now. Yeah. I, I think partly like when we talk about emotions and people will say that we don't have any, I think that <laughs> kind of happens with the medicine and the child fighting as well, that the more calm and collected and confident you are, even as you're kid is like melting down right next to you and like losing their mind the more they're like oh see it can't be that bad because the mom is still doing right. okay so therefore my kid because my kid i have a meltdown my bad. kid must be extra bad yeah um and i was talking about that it was actually a really nice compliment i was working in with babies who are about two two and a half who are basically little kindergartners and they were learning the first instances of sorry, this is how it's going to go, and right. I'm going to be more stubborn than you. And, and then and then they try seeing if maybe crying about it will yep. change your mind at all. <laughs> or if they can talk, they start saying, I'm just going to. And it's right. like, no, you're not. <laughs> you have to sit over there, little three-year-old. Well, yeah. I'm just going to move it over here. I'm going to move yeah, this chair I'll over sit, here. but not where you told me and to. And not right now. Yeah. It's going to take me 30 <laughs> seconds to move this thing across the room where I want it to be. And is that okay, Miss Tabby? Is right. that okay? And I would, and I just like this, like I do with my kids, I'd say, no, you're not. You're going to sit in that chair right here, right now. <laughs> Actually, it was Aria. Aria had mm-hmm. crayons, and I said, you can color at this table. And she picked up one crayon and took one step, and I said, no, no, no. <laughs> and just like that, she no, no. She is a repeat offender of coloring yes. on anything but paper. That's why I said places she shouldn't be. And I was just, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. I was doing like we do here, carrying on a conversation as well. And then I would stop and say, Aria, I said, you need to leave the crayons there. And she would come back, and I was proud of her for that. And the, <laughs> Did she look at you? Oh, of course or she did. Or did she did the thing where she like, like looked sideways. Like yeah, not but she but she you. did it, and I was like, whatever. 
And the other woman in there goes, are you always this calm? And I kind of laughed and was like, absolutely not. I said, but I do have a lot of practice with this age in particular. Like I know the tricks. I am getting more confident in this stuff because we've done it now. And I had a Marcy and, (laughs) and I am ready for the next thing. Well, and you can see that there is a different set of challenges down the road. So when the kids are Cammie's age, Cammie's 10, they have challenges too, but it's a different type. I mean, when I tell Cammie, you need to do this, this is what we're going to do today. She knows that that what I say goes. And so now you can kind of see the conflict in her little (laughs) preteen head where she's like, oh no, I don't like that. But I know mom isn't going to change her mind just because I don't like it. But now I have to find a way to deal with this. But I don't like it still. Oh, this, this is hard. And then like, I'm going to go get my journal. Sometimes, (laughs) yes, yes. Sometimes she decides to work through it. Sometimes she talks through it. Sometimes she goes to her bed and cries. But but she has different techniques now that that we have slowly developed. You mean she has healthy coping mechanisms? Over 10 years now. You've taught her healthy coping mechanisms. Yeah, and I know. Imagine. I know full well that when she was four. Well, she's not smoking a cigarette, so. She doesn't get meth. (laughs) If she When she was four, I easily could have had her diagnosed with ADHD. Easily. Really? Cammy? Yeah. I don't remember four-year-old Cammie then. Oh, my goodness. Three years, four years. I told you, kindergarten, she started kindergarten at four years, and everything was a fight. It was just one fight after another because she felt like I didn't understand just how much she didn't like school. And I'm like, no, I understand, but that doesn't melting down. There you go. I still think that you're going to have to do this because your feelings aren't going to be able to control what you do the rest of your life. And so, yes, she could have been diagnosed with ADHD, Colin, we all know, could be diagnosed with autism or Asperger's. He's got sensory things. He's got strong emotions. He struggles to, you know, to control his reactions to things. He's got a short fuse, all of this stuff. It's the red hair. And now Emery, who's my kindergartner this year and the one that I was ready to pummel earlier today because (laughs) she's asking for a treat in one, on one hand, she knows what I'm asking her to do on, in her schoolwork and and yet she's not cooperating and still saying, I want chocolate. And it's like, you're going to be six this year. You know that this is not how this works. But well, but sure, let's pretend like if we throw a fit, that's going to have the effect oh. we want. And with each new person, they try all the yeah. stuff all over. I had the pleasure of working with her last week and she actually did really well for most of it, but we were working on penmanship and I couldn't help but actually like out loud laugh at her because she would, she was doing, I think the letter G, which has two yes. loops. Yes. And so at some point she just like looped and looped she, and right. looped she and looped. And I was like, like that's scribbling. Not, I, what are you? And I said, stop, stop, stop. I said, what are you doing? And she sheepishly looked at me and I said, did you think I was going to be like, okay, Emmy? I told Tammy, there's a point when she's doing her, there's a point when Emery's doing her penmanship that you can tell she's, her brain is to <laughs> detached from her body. And she thinks if she just puts her pencil down, her hand will know what to do. And she's yes. just like, that was exactly what I was like. And I laughed. A G. And I said, well done, hand. Well done. I was like, Aunt Tabby is not going to let you get away with that. I said, that's not even a letter at all. And she looked at me again and I was like, we're going to have to try that again. But I like sharing those stories because some parents would freak out and be like, well, she's done G's before. It's like, I'm sure she has, but she just went loopy. Her brain got shut off. Literally loopy. She went really loopy. Loopy, 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 loopy. There was like six of them. I feel like we might be getting a little off topic here. I'm bringing it back. I'm trying, but you made me laugh. I'm bringing it back. Sorry. My point with all of that is that 
I do think people need to hear those things because when you're in the thick of it and you're about to lose your own mind and your kid is just looping G's and things and you're like, well, she must not understand or she must need help because she's just not getting it and she's just not cooperating and all we're doing is fighting. And if we're fighting, she's not learning. I want them to learn. Oh, al contraire. But, but she's that learning is all the things she's supposed to, right? Well, and I but, think you could ask the question, how do you know she's not? Because of the... the lack of production because right. I know right. a lot of things and I can be very unproductive and nobody would say that I was stupid because I couldn't get something done or that I needed medication. I think the lack of material, like, like if you have this idea of school as this, you know, go to public school kind of way, mm -hmm. then yeah, it would be based on papers. How right. many papers, how many, how many A's. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I don't measure my kid's intelligence by mm -hmm. how many stickers she got on her paper. Yep. It's, there's an immaterial or an, um, I guess an ideological goal that you have in mind that's that's a marker of learning that has that you not you're not going to see with your eyeballs mm -hmm. for probably years or you'll only see glimpses of it over the course of of raising the children. <laughs> Those are called it's, blessings. <laughs> well, I mean it, it's similar to teaching them about God and Jesus in Christian. I mean, Kate and I are trying to pray at night. I'm trying to teach him to fold his hands and close his eyes most of the time. I'm doing it. Yeah. And I know he's not, he's yeah. all, you know, I'll peek and he's just, you know, doing whatever, <laughs> but it's like you, you will start to see the fruits of the labor later and you have yes. to be okay with that. And I was also going to say that when, when people specifically moms, cause I feel like we struggle with this the most cause we're just with our kids the most typically. But when we think that, that we have been given a child that we're incapable of handling and we think somebody else needs to do it. That's a lack of faith in our creator to give us something that we don't have the ability to handle. But I just don't like it. No, <laughs> nobody said you had to. And that's the thing. It's like the Bible talks about suffering all the time. It's, it's practically promised. Yeah. So it's like you, it's just, it's just not going to be easy. Well, and I would ask always because, because I don't have a problem with like looking at the fruit or looking at the results and going, okay, does this make sense? Or am I on the right track here with within reason i mean to mm -hmm. an extent don't yeah. don't make your big decisions based on a really bad day where everybody's off and yeah. throwing fits um but i would say look at what we're doing as a society when we're putting kids on medication mm -hmm. are we actually seeing improvements in ourselves and in our children are things going better now that we think we can deal with every issue of sin by using that word less and removing the stigma for medication and using that as the thing that's going to solve the problem? Yeah. No. Yeah. People are not happier. Families are not more stable. It actually, maybe there are days where you feel a little bit better after you've taken the medication, but I would argue there would be days where you would feel a little bit better anyway mm -hmm. if you would just notice them. I think that we're yeah. looking for results or, or looking for evidence that our results are coming after we start taking mm -hmm our coffee, our chocolate, our alcohol. And so then we tell ourselves, look, it's working. Because look, we had a good day here and here and here. And it's like, I think you would have had some good days mixed yeah. in there, even if you weren't taking your new drug du jour. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, if you take, uh, there's a there's a funny thing that was going around uh, into some sort of TV show where the person was a famous uh, fortune teller but their predictions were like very vague. vague. And yep. so there was one person who was told, if you wear red shoes, you'll meet the love of your life. So he wore red shoes every, like every day, day. <laughs> yeah, every single day. And so yeah. the main character was like, 
I bet you she told you to wear those red shoes. And he was like, yeah, and I'll meet the love of my life. And he goes, and you wear them every day? And he goes, yes. And he goes, well, then of course you're going to wear red shoes when you meet the love of your life. (laughs) And the guy goes, really? Thank you. Yes. (laughs) And that's what it's like with medicine. That's a really good analogy. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. We take medication and wait for our, Mm -hmm. to meet the love of our life. Right. Mm -hmm. But- but we are if you do it every day. stacked the deck in our favor, then right. of course you're going to have a good day now and then. Yeah. Um, and so I would just encourage people to look at whether things are actually better or mm-hmm. if we are just more determined to make the best of things after mm-hmm. we're using this chemical crutch. I would also mention that we have the part one and part two of our postpartum depression episodes way back at the beginning of the season that mm-hmm. I would recommend Carla, if you're listening, go back and listen to the postpartum depression episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm if much more, um, I'm much more gracious. I think toward people who are struggling with anxiety and depression. In the, those episodes, mm-hmm. we're able to share each of us sharing our examples of struggling after our babies were born, having mm-hmm. serious mood complications, um, even to the point of suicidal ideations. In somebody's case, someone here, maybe mine. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so that, you know, if, if you're still feeling like we're kind of down on people who turn to medication temporarily for feelings like they just cannot handle anymore, mm-hmm. um, you can go listen to that and, and maybe walk back some of what you feel like we're saying now. <laughs> Don't but, write an email just yet. <laughs> but we all know who we're talking about at the same time. Like mm-hmm. every yeah. single person listening knows somebody who is very quick to medicate and they don't want to be that person. And yet everybody who's quick to medicate believes that they're not that person. They believe that they're the person who's being careful and they've tried everything and they're just doing the next logical step. Everybody thinks that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise so, they wouldn't be doing it. Nobody's yes. signing. And like, unless you're a drug dealer that's making some serious profit off of doling out this stuff. What are you doing on this Your podcast? local drug dealer. Sorry, local. Everybody okay. thinks that they're the exception to the rule. And so I'm just trying to get us to think, you know, carefully And actually, ultimately, to be encouraged that, yeah, life is hard. I mean, it really is. And so it's especially hard because in the moments when it's the hardest, that's when you think it's too hard and I have to give up. It's Mm -hmm. it's like labor. And like Mm -hmm. right before that baby comes out is the moment when every single mother to a T is like, oh, I've made a mistake. I can't do this. Like, I'm not capable. Mm -hmm. And right, right when you think that, right when you think you cannot handle anymore, that's actually when you're quite close to the end usually. Mm-hmm. So anyway, is, do we have any other final thoughts? Oh, the one thing that was told to me when I got seen for my postpartum depression and I was like borderline whether they drugged me or not was that they're like, we never give out drugs until you've at least tried talk therapy or you are doing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like we don't like to give out, especially for postpartum. And so if you are feeling like you're really struggling with um, anxiety and depression and you're like in that limbo of like, oh, well, if if I don't medicate, what do I do? Finding wise counsel, and I want to emphasize the word wise, Mm -hmm. is way more beneficial. Find somebody who has has either recovered Mm -hmm. (laughs) or never actually used medication in the first Mm -hmm. place. I mean, that's only fair. It's not fair if everybody you're talking to is still currently on medicine and has a personal vested interest in making right. sure that they're not the only ones. So they're kind of encouraging you to do the same. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like yeah. talk to somebody. And you know who that person is, Carla. So don't you dare send them a text message. Don't pretend like you, you text the other people that will tell you what you don't want to hear. Yeah. Find somebody who's going to be careful. Somebody mm-hmm. who cares that you're suffering. Somebody who cares that it's hard. Somebody who can agree with you that yes, 
I mean, that's not craziness to notice mm-hmm. that you and your kids are fighting a lot. If you're fighting a lot, then that's just the way it is. And so don't let somebody tell you that's not happening, but mm-hmm. find somebody who can be objective mm-hmm. and who can be careful um, and speak some truth into your life that you truth. probably really need yep. to hear. Yep. Bye, Carla. Bye, Carla. Our children are Thank you for joining us for Just Because I Love You Day. You can also find us on MeWe in the group Four Sisters Birth and Motherhood Counseling and on Instagram, Four Sisters One Savior. Those are numerals. We also have an email account, Four Sisters One Savior at gmail.com, and those are also numerals, not words. Four Sisters One Savior. See you next time.